Quick Review, episode 22. Um, I've had, this is like the seventh try, trying to get this episode going today. Um, I don't know, I just keep starting and stopping and kind of deleting it um, four minutes in, which is rare. I, I think usually I just hit record. Maybe I'll do like one false start just for whatever reason, but whew, today's um, seems odd. Maybe because I've, um, I don't know, I don't know, I don't actually know why. Um, I was playing with this white noise machine instead of my usual fan to kind of drown out um you know creaks and voices and cats and dogs and traffic um and uh it's this little white noise machine called the electro fan evo and uh came in the mail yesterday and i used it to sleep Usually we use the fan to sleep for white noise. This was something I never did uh, until I essentially Miriam always did it and she had the fan on it. At first I was like, this is so weird to have the fan on. I almost felt like it was keeping me up. But then I got hooked on it and now I'm like, I can't sleep without the, the white noise. And uh, one thing I didn't know that I've only started to figure out when we're watching these kind of uh how to raise a baby videos is that this white noise sound uh that's a what it sounds like inside of the womb so comforts the baby now it's i'm sure it's true but how is, do we know what it sounds like in the womb maybe in the ultrasound Maybe they've done some, you know, mic checks in there or something. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of ways, but that's, uh, that's what they figured out. And, you know, so to this day, this white noise is like a comfort and it helps focus and drown out the noise and all this kind of stuff. So we got this machine and I don't know if it was like the like it's a difference in frequency the fan has generates its own frequency based on i'm guessing the speed of the motor uh the, and how big the room is and all this kind of stuff but these white noise machines have like settings of frequencies that you can set and i guess you would respond to each of them a little differently so i'm like I had this thing by my head when I was sleeping and it's very similar to the fan, but the dreams I had last night, I was like, that was a, that was a long dream. Like that felt like a, some dreams go on for like 10 seconds or whatever. You just like remember glimpses. But the one last night was like fucking season of TV. Um, and it was this whole thing. I was like in jail um just trying to like make it in jail um and 
it was fucked up. It was a weird feeling, but it's very, um, I don't know. I was very present in it. And I was like, this, this little white noise machine is weird. At the same time, I'm reading this um, interpretation of dreams book, Freud. Um, some, you know, a little wired into the dream life. There was something, I flagged a few pages that I'll read later, but um, there was something that I flagged and then didn't, took it, I unflagged. And by flag, I mean put a little post-it note in there. I'm like, oh, I want to revisit that. Um, and it was about the time length of dreams. Uh, now I'm wishing I didn't take out that post-it note. But it was it was just talking about how we perceive time in dreams. It's so fragmented and um, it, time doesn't obviously make sense there. It's like what's two seconds could be 10 years and, you know, just not linear at all. Um, so, yeah, it was interesting that yesterday's dream was so long. And I was, and I keep drawing these connections um, between like what uh, Freud calls what, how he describes dreams and he's, you know, quoting others and, and deciding himself what dreams are. And I keep drawing the connection between that and writing fiction, um, especially poems and abstract fiction. Um, and to watch him kind of unravel these things, I just feel like it's it's very relevant to what the kind of talk and the kind of things I'm always kind of uh, talking about on on this podcast. Um, so that's been really stimulating, really interesting, and um. Why don't I'm gonna read those things? I usually read the stuff at the end of the show, but I'm already talking about it. Let me get into a bit of this right now. So this is um on this copy of the book on page 83. He goes, Dreams are disconnected. They accept the most violent contradictions without the least objection. They admit impossibilities they disregard knowledge which carries great weight with us in the daytime in the daytime they reveal us as ethical and moral imbeciles anyone who when he was awake behaved in the sort of way that is shown in situations and dreams would be considered insane anyone who when he was awake talked in the sort of way that people talk in dreams or described the sort of thing that happened in dreams would give us the impression of being muddle-headed or feeble-minded. It seems to be no more than putting the truth into words when we express our very low opinion of mental activity in dreams and assert that in dreams the higher intellectual faculties in particular are suspended or at all events, gravely impaired. When I read that, I think of what it means to write fiction uh, and to come up with ideas um, 
and it feels very much the same. You're really like talking like, what does he say? Um, they reveal us as ethical and moral imbeciles. So you're, you're talking like an imbecile, really. You're, you're I constantly, these, these poems and posts that I write are things that might as well have been written by a fucking two-year-old. Um, but it's, um, it's just too fun. And I just can't stop seeing the value in it, even, um, at the age of 35. Um, anyone who, when he was awake, behaved in the sort of way that is shown in situations and dreams would be considered insane. Anyone who, when he was awake, talked in the sort of way that people talk in dreams or describe that sort of thing that happened in dreams would give us the impression of being muddle-headed or feeble-minded. That's the, that's the show. That is the greatest Canadian fiction podcast in the world. The premise of the show is, you know, exactly that. So I think that's really fun. Um, and uh, and he goes on. I mean, I'm I'm not obviously. It's going to take me a long time to really finish this book. And even once I finish this book, I'm going to at best read it again to start to understand it at a, at a you know more uh, to really understand it. But I am picking up stuff as I go. But I'm definitely. I wonder if I'm not intimidated by this book, but I just am going about it with like. You know, I'll take what I can get, but I feel like I'm going to be missing a lot of the the real protein about it. But then again, it's actually more simply written than than I would have expected. Uh, and that said, I've tried to read this book a few times over the years. Um, and always picking up different stuff. So I think I'm just putting myself down because I'm insecure. Um, okay, here's another little passage I wanted to to read. This is page 105. Dreams are excretions. There's my cat. One sec. Let me let him in. Are you coming? Are you coming? Good. Um, let me try that again. Dreams are excretions of thoughts that have been stifled at birth. A man deprived of the capacity for dreaming would in course of time become mentally deranged because a great mass of uncompleted, unworked out thoughts and superficial impressions would accumulate in his brain and would be bound by their bulk to smother the thoughts which should be assimilated into his memory as completed wholes. Dreams serve as a safety valve for the overburdened brain. They possess the power to heal and relieve. So, what are we saying? Dreams are excretions of thoughts that have been stifled at birth. It's like a tiny little idea that made so little sense that maybe you just, you didn't even bother to pursue it. But that's this kind of, to me, what the interesting part of writing poems, making these these posts here, 
is, well, taking those little, you know, what does he say? Excretions of thoughts, little, like tiny little thoughts that have no real relevance or you can't really place them or use them or they make no sense or they're so fucking stupid and not and letting them and trying to grow them into something trying to farm them and seeing what it turns into a man deprived of the capacity for dreaming would in course of time become mentally deranged because a great mass of uncompleted unworked out thoughts and superficial impressions would accumulate in his brain and would be bound by their bulk to smother the thoughts which should be assimilated into his memory as completed holes. I mean, that's, that's great. Dreams serve as a safety valve for the overburdened brain. They possess the power to heal and relieve. Now, is that fact? I don't know if we could ever... Who could say, but, um, but I buy into it. There's a, a healing power to writing fiction. It's difficult. It takes a lot of work to take those little excretions of, of thoughts and build them into something useful. But when you do, there's, um, it's worthwhile. Sort out your thoughts. You sort out what you're thinking. And let me try, let me try to um, phrase that into, I think, kind of a realization I feel like I've had this week that I've been trying to clarify is that generally, um, I f feel like default state, I'm not a, a, what you would call a good communicator, meaning I kind of talk in tangents and circles. Uh, I'm not great at explaining things. I have 10 thoughts at once, you know, I'm kind of all over the place. Um, my words kind of get all tangled up and mixed up, you know, even in, in a simple sentence of sometimes you see a stranger, a storekeeper and they're like, oh, it's like it's nice outside today. And I'm like, I'll say something just tangled. <laughs> and um, some people I feel like are a lot more articulate than I am. The process of writing has become so, became so important to me and so useful to me because I could, under controlled conditions, have the time to sort out my thoughts and to, to organize them and just to get some clarity that, you know, I felt like things could start to make sense. And there's no other tool that I think can that is as effective as writing. Talking on um, into a microphone like I am now, really, it has another benefit that I've discovered in the last few months of doing this. Um, there's something very cathartic that actually doesn't always that writing doesn't actually always get to um so it's part of it's part of it but there's something about 
when you when you do the work to write something it's it actually is more satisfactory than i think doing an audio recording or just talking it's more difficult and the payoff is less often but it, i think it's a, more enriched if that makes sense um This cat's going crazy. Well, he's just meowing at the door. He doesn't want to be in, doesn't want to be out. Um, I'm doing a lot of these, this videoing and recording myself and using this little camera and making these videos. And it's another version of this stuff. There's the writing, there's the podcast, and then there's this video daily video stuff and it's been very fun and it there's catharsis and relief kind of in in its own way I'm, I'm feeling like I'm going to definitely keep doing it and I'm learning a lot and it's it's a challenge and it's it's, it's very fun but it's it's starting to I'm trying to combine the basically the um the character that I'm filming myself, right? So who that person is and I'm editing that footage and having to talk and you know, it's the same basically character I've been getting to know from doing this podcast. Um and that's a different narrator, different character than the one who I was writing as before. So the first person narrator of my usual fiction was one thing. And I had a sense of who I thought I was or who I wanted to be. It's easier to not be yourself and to pretend you are someone else or you kind of build these fantasies when you're just writing. You have so much to hide behind, and that's perfectly fine. Part of that game. But when it then I, the more I was doing these audio recordings, it was kind of reconciling those two things, my persona that I that had a, a voice and a face, and then these little fiction, these little poems. And I was like, okay, that was like a, a learning curve with this podcast as to how to reconcile those things and make them into one person. And I'm, that's where this will keep getting better. The more those things kind of overlap and mix and become uh, more uh, authentic and more grounded um, and more genuine. I think genuine might, is, is probably a better word than authentic in this case. To me, that's when I look the the podcasts and the writers I love, they feel the most genuine. I think that's really true. And you become more genuine by writing more and recording more. And you kind of it it's the way of filtering out the bullshit. You you things that you th you think you're being genuine, you're being genuine to the best of your ability, 
but the more you kind of practice it and put it out into the world the more you recognize oh that part of myself that i thought was being genuine um i was wrong i actually you know it's actually different than that i need to refine it and then to me that's that's the growth that's the path of growth that that um that i care about and it's meaningful to me and it's i feel like is helping me um in my day to day, it's just building my confidence. Period. That's and that's huge. That's that's been a great tool for that. So there's the writing side. Then there's mixing the writing with the audio, and then bringing in the video component of this podcast. So those are kind of those three dimensions, and then taking that even farther uh, out into the world, right? And having to kind of talk to a talk in the camera while in public it's a bizarre fucking thing um but i'm getting more used to it it's hard enough to talk in the house um and and record myself talking and even that's like weird um and it's like kind of nerve-wracking but kind of fun and you know all this kind of stuff but now taking that out in public and then going back and editing this these videos I'm taking of myself coming up with these ideas. Um, you know, it's just an, another layer. So what I'm the here's the point I'm trying to get at is that now that I'm doing those videos so much so often, and then I'm writing fiction, my usual fiction practice, and I'm like, trying to reconcile those two things how does the kind of the how to combine those two worlds and reconcile those two worlds so they're both coming from the same genuine place that's where the work is that's where i'm trying to that's what's interesting to me right now and where that gets weird or I think where I'm confused right now and trying to figure out is how, when you write, when you're recording yourself and posting things on YouTube, when you're doing vlogs, you need it to be as uh, genuine as possible. That's the name of that game. And if you start faking stuff to an extent, you start if if people no longer believe that it's just you with a camera and you're like it's not as real then they tune out i think like that's that's what that medium is it's not a narrative uh, fiction hbo drama show where it's like it's all fake but still you need it to be real it's kind of the opposite so how do you bring that into the writing and how does the writing kind of overlap with that so it feels like this kind of new territory that i'm excited about writing from i think it's making me it's forcing me to become a more better it's forcing me to become a, a better writer to do that and now it's like i'm writing fiction from my own point of view 
and there's kind of this meta layer that is coming from the perspective of me writing fiction, me making up stories and then explaining what they mean. So writing from my own point of view is, is basically what I'm trying to say. I th the, the other layer to it is that what I'm saying right now doesn't necessarily make sense. Like, I wonder on the, the receiving end, it's probably garbledy gook <laughs> at this point. But I'm trying to clarify the thought. And that's, that's the process um, from all angles, from recording this to writing the fiction to making the YouTube videos, I'm trying to clarify this thought so that I can articulate it properly. Um, am I, I'm not there yet, obviously, like I'm still, I'm working through the stuff. So that's one side of it. The, the other side is that there's a, um, a craving for newness when you're writing and creating stuff. You want, you need things to feel new and exciting and there needs to be a certain stimulus to it in order to kind of keep going. So you, oh, once you've figured things out, they become uninteresting and it, you need to kind of push into new territory in order to keep your interest and your focus. So the second you kind of learn to make sense is the moment where it's done and then it's not as interesting to um record again i'm gonna start reading the posts here this is january 15th two kinds of fictional regret the origami sewer is not what it sounds like there are no folded up pieces of paper. There is no sewage. The origami sewer is something else entirely. I actually have no idea what it is. For a moment, I like the sound of it, but now I think it's stupid. I once lied and said my delete key was broken, but I couldn't do that again. The truth is, I feel like talking about the regret. It feels good to talk about fictional regret, like watching fictional people shoot each other in an action movie. The, or the origami sewer, what a dumb idea. In a way, it is kind of funny, I suppose. Instead, I want to write about something else. I want to write about discounted cabbage rolls at the hot bar. They were on for 50% off. I'm sure they are all sold out by now. The truth is that I'm still talking about fictional regret because I walked right past them and I didn't buy them. It happened this morning when we were at the supermarket. I have no idea what the fuck this one is really saying. The origami sewer is not what it sounds like. 
There are no folded up pieces of paper. There is no sewage. The origami sewer is something else entirely. I actually have no idea what it is. So that's me trying to fish for one of these fragmented thoughts. That's me trying to figure out like, hey, there's something fucking dumb that makes no sense. What's, what are we talking about? So I think that quote I found from this book, I know for a fact I read that quote after I wrote this. So the connection, I can see why that jumped out at me in the, in the book from that Freud book. For a moment, I like the sound of it. I like the sound of the origami sewer, but now I think it's stupid. So that would have been that fragment of the thought that generally we would let go of. I once lied and said my delete key was broken, but I couldn't do that again. So I think the week before on the, on a post, I wrote something really dumb and I was like, oh, my delete key's broken. I, I have to stick with it. And that, I thought that was funny. But now I'm saying, oh shit, I can't, I can't go. I'm not going to delete it again. I'm going to try to stick with this. The truth is I feel like talking about the regret, right? So I'm like, let's, let's break down the regret I'm feeling from the stupid thing that I wrote um, that I should have just deleted. The truth is, I feel like talking about the regret, it feels good to talk about fictional regret. So now I'm putting in this layer of like, um, when, when it makes more sense the next, in the next time, like watching fictional people shoot each other in an action movie. We watched, I watched the show, The Last of Us. The, the first episode came out last week and you know it's based on this video game and like it's all these fucking terrible things keep happening <laughs> and it's like we enjoy the fictional um someone getting shot when it's made up it's fun we enjoy you know a disease spreading and killing most of the population when it's fictional on the show you know all of these kind of things so in in this world i'm saying oh i feel this regret but let's pretend that it's fictional and make it um and then it will feel good i guess then we can have fun with it the origami sewer what a dumb idea in a way it is kind of funny i suppose instead i want to write about something else instead i want to write I want to write about discounted cab drills at the hot bar. They were on for 50% off. I'm sure they're all sold out by now. The truth is that I'm still talking about fictional regret because I walked right past them and I didn't buy them. It happened this morning when we were at the supermarket. Um, so, total clusterfuck of fiction and nonfiction and trying to write from the made-up point of view and what I consider my actual point of view. It comes back to that quote that I took from Philip Roth's book, The Counter Life, uh, however many weeks ago. I think I talked about it on two episodes in a row. So I feel like it's that that Philip Roth quote that really like um I was that that was 
and I took a lot of inspiration from that. And uh, I feel like that's uh, it's a good point of reference. So that was called Two Kinds of Fictional Regret. Now, this kind of post, I'm like, it'd be fun to make a video out of that in a way, like talking, there's some ideas there that I would love to expand upon. Um, and maybe I, you know, maybe I will, I don't know. But the process of making these videos has usually been me talking, 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 similar to I, what I am now. Um, and then going over that footage and editing it and then t finding like, oh, that's an interesting idea. And then recording some more stuff and putting it towards that and kind of building these kind of ideas um, as I'm talking. And that process is like, it's like writing through video recording and editing and stuff. It's, I don't know, kind of obviously obsessed and confused by, by it. Um, go take a look at them on YouTube. Um, you can get them, um, the, off my website. I think there's a link to the YouTube page there, but I'll be sure to, um, link that clearly if it isn't already because who knows at this point but those are all on youtube um okay my triangle friend my triangle friend my friend is shaped as a triangle he looks like a cartoon some kid drew he is shaped as an actual triangle his arms stick out from his sides and his legs come out from the bottom line. His eyes are slightly above his arms. His mouth is slightly below his eyes and go across his entire body. He was once offered a lot of money to be the Doritos mascot, but he was more interested in a less public job. We talk on the phone often, at least once a week, sometimes more. He doesn't always have much to say and neither do I. Sometimes we just sit there on the line quietly He's, he's obsessed with petroleum jelly, and he is a respected chiropractor. He's hoping to find a girlfriend. So if you know anyone that might be interested, let me know, and we'll see if it works out. Um, <laughs> it's so dumb. This is such a stupid post, but I'm so glad that I wrote it. Um, meaning... You know, if you drew a triangle and then made a happy face and two eyes and uh, happy face includes the eyes. If you drew a happy face inside of the triangle and then you made arms and legs coming out of of it and you had this cartoon character, it's like, okay, what would that look like in real life? And then this is your friend and he's a total fucking there's no one else like him and you're trying to support him through this this life you guys are buddies and uh he happens to be a chiropractor and he's looking for love <laughs> my triangle friend um just great it's just great
free vacation. I've imagined a hotel called the Dolphin Spring Hotel. It's on the side of the highway. It's not very expensive. $59 a night. There are two vending machines side by side. One is for drinks and the other is for candy and chips. If I stayed at that hotel, um, this may go down as the most fragmented, interrupted fucking um, episode ever. This is just feels like a complete fucking mess. Um, and I'm frustrated. I'm totally frustrated by how it's going. Hold on. Um, yeah, he's, he's anxious. He's an anxious cat. Some days have been a lot better, but, um, today he's, uh, it's been hard to calm down. And then every time I, I've gotten him to calm down, I'll hear something downstairs or something happens and, um, it starts all over again. So, um, yeah let me try this again free vacation i've imagined a hotel called the dolphin spring hotel it's on the side of the highway it's not very expensive 59 dollars a night there are two vending machines side by side one is for drinks and the other is for candy and chips if i stayed at the hotel i would just watch tv all day and order a pizza and get some sodas and eat chips. Instead, I'll just imagine it. Maybe that is enough. To just imagine a thing and to be there. That way. You should get good at imagining things. It's a cheap way to travel. Um, that's kind of nice. Um, I think it's... A little after school, especially. Um, but acknowledging, like, the imagination, trying to talk about the imagination, I guess, is something I never, that, that word's really interesting. Um, and I guess I'm just f kind of framing it through the, the, point of view and I guess all the, the context of today and the imagination is I mean that's that's the currency right that's the currency that's what I um I practice imagining stuff um and the and, ima and the imagination is really cheesy and and stupid <laughs> and it's it's an imbecile's territory to imagine shit and what does it mean and what's the point and da 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 da, da. um yeah Free vacation. 
All right, let's go to my wife. I was talking to my wife while I was buying something at the store. And she was telling me about her friend's diarrhea. My wife tells me all kinds of things. She always has something to talk about. It's hard for me to feel like a piece of shit with her around. It's hard for me to feel like a piece of shit even when I have diarrhea with her around. I never met anyone that sees the good in the world as effortlessly and authentically as she does. Um, that's all true. <laughs> um, I think I was on the phone, we were on the phone and she was just like telling me about like how her friend had diarrhea and this fucking story just kept going on. It was funny and like relevant and all this kind of stuff. But in the back of my head, I was thinking like, you know, um, there was a time where I wasn't married and I was single and I'd be at the store, the grocery store is where I was. Um, and I didn't have someone to talk to. I was like, you know, I wanted people to talk to, but I didn't always have someone to talk to often. So, um, I would have done anything to kind of have, have someone like that, I guess that seemed like the, the best thing. You know, this is like a lonely, lonely guy in the grocery store fucking spending too long looking at, you know, boxes of fucking cereal or something. Um, trying to like uh, distract himself from how alone he feels. <laughs> it's like, I just wish there was someone here to talk to. Uh, and, and now, you know, I have that. Um, and I don't take it for granted. I really fucking don't. I get it. Um, but it, there was definitely a moment where I was like, um, this is so funny for so many reasons. And, and I feel like that's why as I was remembering my old, um, my old self, my old life. Um, and I think my my confidence has, um, I don't, I wouldn't be doing as much stuff. I don't think there was the, the, the kinds of creative work I would do when I was single. And there's a lot of different shit and who knows what I'd be doing if I wasn't married, but there's a certain support that I've been getting from her, um, that's allowed me to, um, I guess take more risks in certain ways. I mean, this whole fucking video, YouTube vlogging thing, I didn't really even know what it was until I would see her, she watched all this shit on YouTube. And I'm like, what is this? Like, what are, what are these movies you're watching? And, you know, I kind of knew what it was, but like, not really. And she kind of, over time, like, I learned about this whole world. And at first, it's really like the stupidest thing ever. Um, but I, I started to kind of get it a bit more. And, uh, and then I was like, you know, if there's any, like, I was just like, now I'm kind of uh, making these YouTube videos and like, it's completely influenced by her. I wouldn't, I don't think 
I would be doing it if not for her, if she didn't think it was like fun and uh, it's kind of put me in that direction. I think um, she has everything to do with it. Right. And even if I completely like am making an ass out of myself, it's like a fun game me and her can play. Right. And therefore, you know, how bad could it be? And when I think about her, I, I can never like quite, I think I put it into words here actually pretty well at the bottom. It says, I never met anyone that sees the good in the world as effortly and as authentically as she does. So that was kind of the best I could do at the time, but it doesn't quite do it justice as what I was really trying to say. And it, this is what it is, is I think I've generally had a very pessimistic um and and cynical view of the world um generally more than most people that that i talk to every once in a while you know you meet someone that's like oh you're even worse than me but like i'm usually like the more cynical end of things and if you're like that a lot of the time people that aren't like that this is kind of a total teen angst holden caulfield kind of thing but you you think that they're full of shit and they're lying to themselves and they're like you're just fucking happy and doing well and feeling fulfilled because you're fooling yourself and you're an idiot and if you were if you would think for two more seconds you'd realize like it's, it's, com it's completely fucking bullshit this is like negative it's, it's terrible it's i'm not trying to advocate for it but this is kind of like what i had to grow out of i suppose what i had to um how i had to grow up and where i kind of came from um you know in my especially in my teen years through my 20s all this kind of stuff um and really i, f I feel like i've come a long way but when i got to know miriam i really saw in her more than anyone else that she truly didn't see she just didn't see the world that way she it just wasn't her reality and it wasn't because she was kidding herself or because she wasn't thinking hard about it or anything i'm like no authentically you this is your worldview and you believe it and and maybe you're right you know i was finally i think i finally got to a position where i was like had grown out of that enough that I could see someone um I was able to it was almost like I did the work to enter like a new place in life where I could talk to people like that and I like uh and I kind of got there if that makes sense but really I mean I was like I really saw it in her more than more than anyone else and I still do. I mean, she's allowed me to kind of, once I saw it through the world, through her point of view, I think it allows me to see a lot of other people. Um, I can see optimism through them as well, but I learned that from getting to know her. And that is a fucking, uh, that is a big deal. Um, so that's, that's a good post. And I remember episodes ago, trying to be like man i gotta write like fucking better um 
like love poems essentially because whenever it comes to like writing about romance or affection i would just like joke my fucking way around it or like just dodge the feelings you know all that stuff and still like that one's like ugh, like it's good definitely is good but like i only get there through talking about fucking diarrhea right um which i think is very typical um you use comedy to get to those bigger bigger themes because it's safer in a way uh, and it detracts from it and all this kind of stuff but um it's a good tool okay i'm starting to feel a little more like this episode's turning into something um but man yeah i don't know i did like seven takes before i really got this thing going i was like so fucking frustrated and i was having a really hard time figuring this episode out today more than ever usually i just like hit record and then like maybe i'll do a second take um because like two minutes in i'm just like Bleh, or like more like 30 seconds i'm just like let me start that again just to kind of build the momentum but um yeah this one was fucked but i'm starting to feel a little looser a little better a little more grounded um there's like 10 fucking all those cat interruptions um and the noise and me just being like angry and fucking frustrated but maybe i'll just leave it because <laughs> that's kind of the point is to just let the fucking camera go let the audio go and the second i start getting in there and editing stuff on this podcast format it's kind of the second it dies like you know that's um i don't think that's the way this works so i'm gonna i'm gonna leave it i'm not gonna fucking get into it i think it's i think i say earlier that i'm gonna edit stuff but i'm not save the editing for the writing save the editing for um the videos the youtube stuff but not here this is a this is an edit free fucking space that said i really have to take a piss i'm gonna do that and i'm gonna edit out that time okay um this is capitalist joy this weekend i'm going to the bookstore i probably won't buy anything i just want to look at the books I already have a cat training book from the library that I need to finish. I'm trying to learn some things to help our cat. Lately, we have been taking him on a lot of walks and playing with his bird toy and springs a lot. This weekend, I might go to Home Depot. I want to buy a new door for my office. I think it will help quiet things down. And it would be nice to have a brand new door. I saw one online that is made of pine. It is $300. I don't know if I will buy it yet. Eventually, I will. Capitalist joy. Um, interesting. The I did go to the bookstore yesterday after writing this, uh, and I didn't buy anything. Um, so my thoughts were already um they were aligned with this 
I'm reading this cat training book and learning a lot about um, how how to train a cat, but also how to kind of um, what cats need in order to relax. And as this episode is like very, you know, how many times have I'm, you can see this this cat's ruling my life, um, and that's definitely a struggle. Um, but we're getting, we are getting better at it, but it, um, but it's taken a lot of, a lot of work for sure. I went to Home Depot and getting a door for the office. I mean, this was another, I'm trying to, um, get some, some quiet, um, so that I can have my own space to, and the privacy to be creative, man. It's fucking so hard to get. Um, even when I've lived alone, it's, you know, you think that just having your own space, like a physical space is enough and it's, a, and it's not about the other distractions, but it's something else. It's easy to be like, ah, oh, there's fucking noise and oh, the cat and oh, like what I have to do this and that and whatever. But even, you know, I lived in a, a condo building. It was, there was fucking you know, I don't know, concrete, like 30 inches of concrete around me. It was these, there's this concrete box. And I had quiet. I was the only one who lived there. Locked the door fucking for a week straight if I wanted. And it still isn't, it's not the answer. You got to remember that because then you're still going to procrastinate the work. There's still going to be a reason why you can't do it. And you start blaming other fucking things. But right now it's like, yes, it's a thin door in the wall and I can hear all this stuff in the house and all these distractions. But, um, but if I think about it, it's like, no, 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 that's not it. Those are, those are there. There's always going to be something, but it's your own fucking, it's your own shit. So this week, clearly I'm working through something. And I think it has to do mostly with this um, trying to figure out my point of view for my upcoming work. Because the Blue Nile's done. I mean, I'm, I'll do another edit when I'm ready. Um, but that's, you know, it's pretty much done. Now I'm working on the next project and I'm like trying to combine this earwig review world with my fiction writing world with you know with these videos and trying to find this new thing and i'm very fucking prickly and fucked up about it and frustrated and it's not going right and but i'm that's the work it's like i'm feeling that way because i am sorting it out and eventually it will make sense and all and it will be easier to just sit down and work but right now i've kind of starting again and figuring it out so i'm like prickly and fucked up um so you know that's all it's all it is fun it is part of it but um so right now i'm like oh i should get a thicker door because this door is super flimsy and it would actually help the soundproofing um and and as you know the post says it'd be nice to have a brand new piece of wood <laughs> You know, it's just fucking because I can't. Um, so I went 
yesterday and I was at Home Depot and I was looking at all the doors and uh, yeah, the, the best one, it's like 250 bucks. It's a piece of fucking pine. Um, and, you know, maybe when uh, the next check comes in, I'll put that, put that up and uh, have this nice new wood. Um, or maybe I won't, but all in the name of, hey, if I get that, maybe I'll become a better writer. Maybe if I get a new door, this is how fucking sick it gets. Like, oh, you know, it was the first time I, I think you really noticed it was like when I like uh, play music with friends when I was like 12 and one kid's like, oh, man, like I can't fucking play. I needed the right pick. You know, my my guitar pick is too thin. I can't can't play as well like if only i had the fucking better pick and you're like really dude like really that's what it is and you're like, okay or it's like when you're skateboarding and it's like oh like i can't fucking do this because like my wheels are too small it's like it's not the reason it's not the fucking reason and and in my head when i procrastinate writing and being creative literally it will find every single thing it possibly can to to get in the way including something so fucking obscene as oh, i'm gonna get a new door that's gonna help a new fucking door it's so it's so fucking dumb imagine imagine there's a writer out there in the world and when they got the right door if, when they finally got the right door <laughs> their office the scent it's just like the the book just wrote itself fuck give me a break man but still the day's gonna come it's gonna be like you know episode whatever and i'm gonna be like welcome to the greatest fucking canadian fiction podcast in the world the Uber review and this week i got a new door and he would not believe how fucking great the writing is gonna be now and then I'll start listing off all these fucking posts. Be like, this one's, they're just so good. One after another. You know. <laughs> Capitalist joy, they call it. And let's go to the final post of the episode. It is called, I can't believe it took me 35 years to beat this fucking game on easy mode. I have nothing left to say. Truly, I think I've gotten to the end. I've beat the game. I'm going to take this cartridge to the used Nintendo store and get some credit for another game. Or maybe I'll just take the cash. It's always a shitty deal if you take the cash. You should always take the store credit. And even then, it's a shitty deal. Honestly, I don't think I'll trade it in. Because I was playing on easy mode. I can't believe it took me 35 years to beat this fucking game on easy mode. I suppose that settles it. I'll start again now. For the first time, perhaps. This time, I'll set it to normal. Um, I quite like that one. I don't really know what I mean I guess, I think what it, what this is actually, 
when I talk about beating the game, I think it means that I'm going to have a kid in June. And uh, this part of my life where I don't have a kid is coming to an end. And I think, you know, right now I'm like, I have a cat who's like high energy, high needs cat. And I'm like, it's driving me, taking up a lot of bandwidth and easy distraction and, and takes a lot of effort and all this kind of stuff. But once we have an infant, like I'm fucked. But I'm also at. If you t say that you're ready to have a kid, I feel like people that have had a kid are like, "You idiot! You have no idea what you're like, what you're in for. Like, it's gonna you have you just have no idea." And I'm like, okay, like, you're you're right, but I'll I I'll see that when I see it. You know, like, I can't perceive what you're saying yet if what you're saying is true because I'm not there. So sure. But I feel like I'm ready to have a kid. I'm at the time where it's like, okay, I'm ready. Let's do it. And uh, and that's what I mean. It's like, okay, let's let's play the game now on normal mode. Uh, because it's easy mode when you're fucking just a guy. And you don't, you know, have any... You're in the grocery store looking at fucking cereal boxes and then... And then you get a wife and it's, you know, a little, little more, but still you're in a way you're just more spoiled now. Um, so it's, it's still easy mode, you know, in, in some ways, not in all, but in some, for me, it has been, let me, let's put it that way. Having a wife has not made my life more difficult. It's made it more fun and easier period and uh but having a kid that's gonna be different man and uh that's what i'm defining as normal mode the video game you know you go on the settings and there's a difficulty level in which you play the game normal i've been playing on fucking easy mode i've realized that so that was episode 22 of the Earwig Review. What a fucking gong show. But we got through it. And and I'm happy about that. I'll see what gets edited and what doesn't. Like, I'm going to have to take out a, some, maybe some of it. 